This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, football is just not leaving us. It's kind of that that slow buildup as we slowly get to the NFL draft. And as usual, it, it's quarterback, quarterback. Who's who's the number one quarterback and where is that quarterback going? And so, uh, you know, before as, before we get to what uh, Mike Westhoff used to always call the Underwear Olympics, uh, you know, this is the time when all the GMs are starting to talk. Today we heard from Joe Shane. We'll hear from him a little bit later in the show. Tomorrow, Joe Douglas speaks, Gordon, and I know Joe Leo just can't wait oh, to hear what Joe Douglas is going to say Cannot wait. Tomorrow. He's looking forward to Get to, to hear that. the plan, right? That's the it. The Jets' plan to, to build the, the offensive line, which seems like the tasks one, two, and three this offseason. Yeah, it's not the only Four, one. Four, five, but and six. Yeah, it's, it's, suck. it's, Seven, eight, it's nine. a big one. 10, 11, and 12. Especially when the guy who's building the entire line this offseason is the guy who's been trying to build a line for multiple offseasons. I mean, it is it, it is so – Gordon, can you imagine you have pick, – pick and we'll get to the course in a second. Pick a, pick a sport. Uh, the closer in, in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the superstar – the three-point superstar on your team, uh, the number one quarterback who, who, who is great in the play action. That's what they're known for. That's their strong suit. That's the best thing. That's when you game plan it, this is what we know. We want to put in these plays because we know this person is great. We want to bring in Edwin Diaz. We can bring him in the seventh inning. We know how good he is. And that's what you're known for, and you fail at that. Over and over and over again. I mean, yeah, and we kind of we kind of dismissed it last night a little bit. We talked a little bit about it, but we didn't have that much time. But the Lake and Tomlinson move, I mean, that's a colossal flop. And 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 I'll admit it. When the Jets made that move, I thought, oh, that's a really good signing. He's he's a really good player. So maybe I can't criticize the Jets too much for making that move. But I'm not the Jets GM, uh, right. and and I think he is a talented player, Tomlinson. But for whatever reason. It was a flop. So either coaching or the, just the, the contract they signed it to, he clearly did not live up to that. At least he was healthy. He was the one guy that was healthy here the last couple of years. But, uh, yeah, the, the offensive line, I mean, they have – it's like you, you go to start to do a, a small kitchen remodel and you walk back in the house and there's no walls, Larry. Yeah. It's, it's – you're, you're again. down to studs. Again, right. I mean, it just – I mean – Either either he has the worst luck or he just doesn't know what he's doing. And I would think he just – Gordon, it's got to be the worst luck. Because you – I mean, he knows, not, he knows what you're taking the offensive line. He's tried free agents. He's tried drafts. He's, it's not like he hasn't tried. No. Right. It's not it, like he it, said, it, you know, forget that. But we're not dealing with no, the offensive line. we got other things We're going to worry do. about other things. No, they've, they've spent resources. They've spent every kind of resource on the offensive line. And it's not – and it is back to, to – I thought it was at square one when he got here. But I think it, in some ways it's it's more at square back. one now. It's taking a step back. Yeah. Well, look, they got Vera Tucker. If he comes back, but again, he's been he's been hurt the last couple yeah. of years. Now it might be freaky thing, but you know, at least he's freaky not going things to happen with the Jets. Year. The Jets are where freaky things happen. Yeah. They're about the freaky deke. Yeah. It's 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 just been it's just been crazy. I mean, it's it's man. I mean, it's just over and over again. And there's more offensive linemen to go. You know, Makai Beckton can't be coming back. I, I can't imagine. You know, so, I mean, now you're going to have to find a bunch more. 
I mean, you got to find if if Vera Tucker is going to stay at guard like it seems like he wants to do. Well, then you got to find two tackles. That's not easy to do. <laughs> it is not. So maybe the Jets can convince him to Slide be on. one of those tackles. That would kind of help in some way. But then you still he's only one. You can't clone him. No, you can't. I think I think Tipton looks Tipman looks good. Yeah. I okay. think he's shown something. So, okay. you know, All let's right. see. That, that's that's one. Mm-hmm. So let's see if he, you can build on that. I mean, he's shown you something. But, but they don't need listen, five. The they, don't need, they, they need more than five because they've shown that they cannot keep they guys healthy. Seven or eight. Yeah. You know. And once again, they're not the only team struggling on the offensive no. line. No. There's a lot of teams looking for offensive line help. But it just seems like them who have made it a priority mm-hmm. for consistent with, years. Right. With the guy who was supposed to know about the offensive line. Just really been a struggle for them. Really yeah. been a struggle. But I digress. 1-800-919-3776. Hey, Spike. Hey, boys. Uh, first of all, uh, with the Knicks, you got to pick the game you're going to win. Let's talk about a pickup. But you, you're going to probably get beat by Golden State. It's more important to them. The, the division game is more important. Is, uh, see if he's back down to Mitchell and set your eyes on that. And you kind of got to manage your minutes. McBride and Sims probably played career high minutes or close to it tonight, I guess. Yeah. And you're playing with seven, as Gordon said. So, uh, I got, guys, I got to tell you something. I, I really uh, – and, and Herb Jones, uh, he's a little better shooter than Precious Achua. They're very similar. Good defensive players, good rebounders, about the same age. But I think uh, – I don't think Julius Randle's coming back. From that little clip they showed you on that national TV thing where he just used his left hand, he had his shirt off, he never raised his right arm up. Uh, and if it's so long now since he's been out, now he's still thinking of surgery, I don't think he's made any progress. Uh, you know, I know what he brings. He brings the toughness. Uh, but this kid, this kid, uh, sands the scoring, and you're supposed to make up the scoring with the shooters. But I, I got to say this, too, and I don't like saying it. Alex Burks is a good guy. He looks really close to washed up to me. He really does. Maybe I'm wrong. I know he had some big games in Detroit. Bogdanovich, you know what he does. But mm-hmm. uh, you're running out of road here. You're running out of players. You know, I, yep. I thought the injury came at the right time, but uh, the healing's not coming along. Now, if you had Ananobi back, you could shut one guy down and you can move one guy up. Everybody's bumped up about three spots the way I'm thinking about it. And more mm-hmm. important than anything else is Hartenstein because you yeah. miss his 28, 30 minutes. You know, you push them from 16 to 37 real fast. So, yeah. and that's an injury you got to rest. So, listen, you boys enjoy it. Let's just win one of the next two. I'll be really happy if they beat Cleveland on Saturday. I tell you, and uh, thanks for the call, Spike. Gordon, did you see the end of that Cleveland game? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding <laughs> me? A, that is an absolute dagger. After you get the brilliant pass from Luca, oh. they get the bucket there. They go up by one. You think, all right. And uh, oh. Struess uh, comes back down with the, the heave, and uh, they win it. From his side of the court. Not yeah. even before you get to midcourt. Right. I mean, and not, not banked off the glass going, oh, no. there's nothing but that. No, perfect. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, Cleveland I is now 38 and 19. I know. And just think, and they've, they've been on the losing streak because Donovan Mitchell had been out. Mm-hmm. So he came back tonight, and they needed every bit of his scoring and everything else. I got to say this, Gordon. Uh, Dallas is playing very well right now. Dallas, oh. the Mavericks are playing pretty well right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little surprised, to be honest with you. A little surprised. Well, look, they'll, they'll show you some – when things start to seem to be going in the right direction, 
things will happen where somebody will come in and throw a monkey wrench into the plans. He'll, he'll, he'll do something, some mm-hmm. sort of controversial pop up, or he'll do he'll do something. Mm-hmm. The, the track record is pretty well established. It is. It is. But when he but when he's focused, boy. Whew. Look, I mean, for all talent. the time we spent talking about him, there's never any question about his talent. No, nope. even even people who hate him can't he can't make that <laughs> argument. Nope. And nope. and trust me, as 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 evidenced by some of the arguments that we brought up earlier tonight, mm-hmm. arguments are not always focused on on facts; they're focused on emotion. But yeah. nobody nobody tries to attack Kyrie's talent because no. that is undeniable. Undeniable. He is one of the best players, not just guards, players in the NBA, for his ability to get to the. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything he just does everything well. Yep. There's nothing he doesn't do well for a guy, guy his size. He can get you rebounds every once in a while. It's it, it's crazy. Richardson, Manhattan. What's up, Richard? Hey, fellas. Tonight showed us how many good teams you have in the West. Boy, <laughs> these guys, these the Knicks. We can't talk about playoffs or playing games or positioning. You don't want the three to four. What are you crazy? We just got to get our players back. And, Whatever happens, one game at a time. They're running on empty now. There's no way. You can't look to see anything with playoffs. I mean, they gave us a good ride in January, early February. But injuries, their whole front court, and uh, it's too much. It's too much, and it's it's going to be tough. So whatever we get, we get. You know, they made the right moves. Every move they made looks like it, it turned out okay, but... You just don't have the players now. Fellas, you know, I just want to talk what I've been hearing all day. I didn't like what Monty Williams said yesterday. And I heard a couple of guys, I won't mention the names on the, on today. On oh, come ESPN. on. you got to mention names. This is this is the show yeah, where well, we name well, names. It's not important. But they talked about, and they insinuated that Detroit didn't get the benefit of the call because of their position in the NBA. And I, I don't think you can say that. That's almost like saying the game is fixed. You cannot say that. And these, one guy's the talk show host. The other guy was a prominent ESPN basketball analyst. You don't say that. Now, as far as Monty Williams, you know, he should have just kept it what happened in the last couple of uh, – that last minute of play. And just kept – you know, Silver's got to do something. Everything's got to be reviewed in the last two minutes. You can't review a, a plays in the first two or three minutes of the game and take eight minutes on it and then let these plays go at the end of the game where they're so crucial. Mm. At least plays early in the game, they can be make-up calls, you know, and that's fine. You know, we understand people are not, you know, going to make mistakes, but you can't make a mistake like they did last night. But Monty Williams was, you know – he he was sounded like he was whining. He's saying we're not getting the calls all year, and didn't sound right. Doesn't sound right. It's a brotherhood. It's a fraternity. The whole NBA. I'm sure the referees didn't want to get it wrong. They didn't. You know, they didn't go out and say we're going to get Monty Williams' team tonight. So he didn't sound good. I didn't like it. I I would have wished he would have just said, look. Adam's got to do something about what happens at the end of the game. This cannot happen again. You guys all saw what I saw, and it's not right. And if he kept it like that, he would have sounded noble. It would have been in a nice nice way for the fans to understand that he got chipped. He did get chipped. But to just go on and on about how all year we haven't been getting it, like there's a conspiracy against him. No good, no good. And I didn't like what I heard in the, the one of the talk show hosts and one of the uh, Who was ESPN it? analysts. Come on, analysts. It, was, it was a talk show host. Was it Greeny? I, I, I no, bet no, it was Greeny. Well, the analyst was Tim Legler, and the okay. talk show host was Michael Kay. And they oh, both said, well, 
the Detroit Pistons will not get the calls because of their position in the end. That is not a right thing to say. That's almost like saying the games are fixed, in my estimation. Yeah, I don't I think you, that, well, I, I got to hear that, the context of it. Yeah, um, thanks yeah, for the call. I, I hear what you're saying, um, but look, if you're a team that's the worst team in the league, I, I don't think that it's it's nefarious. I don't think it's it's something that's uh, a plot against the, the the worst team in the league. But I just think that those type of things go against you. And 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 the way I took Monty Williams's comments, I'm sure he was ticked off, mm-hmm. but it felt like to me he's got a young team that probably feels like, hey, this has been going against, and he had to kind of speak for the team. Yeah. And, and his comments, I felt like, were kind of protecting his players so they didn't say something that would get them mm-hmm. to get you know hit by the league or fined by the league or have a, a, a ref kind of hold a grudge down the road or something like that. And, and the young players may feel that, may feel that to be the case. I, absolutely. Well, look, they're young players, right? Like young yeah. kids don't have any perspective on things. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did think, hey, these things are all, always happening to That's what kids always do. It, I never get this. I never get the call. It mm-hmm. always goes against me. Yeah. That, that's youth. So I just took Monty Williams' comments to, to kind of be backing up his play. I'm sure he was ticked off at the call because it was Oh, there's no question call. about it. But, you know, this idea that, well, you have to institute something so that these things don't happen. When does it end? When would it end? You can't institute anything more. If you expect perfectly officiated games, you got to stop. Why? It's never going to happen. It's never happened. It's never going to happen. Technology is only going to get better, and we're, we're going to see more angles of plays and all that type of stuff. You never go. And that's the problem with instant replay. They always sell it to you. Well, it's only to fix the egregious call mm-hmm. out. But yes. before long, we expect it to get every single call right. And I'll say this as well about the NBA head coaches. Anybody who's using a challenge in the first half, that's just stupid. Yeah. It's You're just right. dumb. You're right. You save it for the fourth quarter. Right. Save it for the end of the game. And if you don't need, if you don't use it and you oh, I should have challenged that in the second quarter, you had time to make up for a bad call in the second quarter. Save it mm-hmm. for the fourth quarter. Save it for the last, you know, six minutes of the game or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely right. And I mean, you know, I understand Monty Williams' frustration. He right. he laid it out to you. This ha- this is not the first time it's happened to us. So you know, and but here is kind of burying the lead. Gordon, we talked about it in the National Football League. We're talking about it in the NBA. We're not talking about it as much in Major League Baseball, but we have. The officiating is just taking a step back. It's not as good as it's been. It's it's just not. There's there's been a number. It has become so subjective that you can't really ride what is what is the rule and what isn't. It's become so subjective to what each individual group calls. You see it in the NFL all the time. You can knock somebody down. You can mm-hmm. knock a quarterback yeah. down with some. Yeah. I don't have to Star tell you. Star calls in the in the you NFL. You can knock Absolutely. a quarterback yeah. down, and nothing happens with one crew. Mm-hmm. Another crew, you breeze past them, and they it's personal. You know, roughing the mm-hmm. passer penalty. And it's the same thing in, in the NBA. That's why when teams normally what good teams do, Gordon, is okay. Here's the official. Here's what they normally call. Here's how you have to play tonight. Because this is his track record. This is this is how this crew calls. They call things really tight. Okay, you know what? You, we got to be careful. We'll test it. You make the adjustment, and that's what you have to do. But but there's not going to be a perfectly efficient game. Never official. There's game never been anywhere. one. There'll never be one. Never be. 
Yeah. Because they're and, human. And unfortunately for the NBA and the NFL in some regards, it's almost impossible to have perfectly called the gate the, the, the plays themselves are so subjective sometimes and there's so much going on and the speed mm-hmm. of it. Like you'll see a pass interference call and, and and one guy will call, oh that's obviously pass interference. They're gonna call that every time, and then they don't call it another time. Yeah. Baseball, it really shouldn't be that way. Right? right. There's a strike zone. It we yeah. know where the lines are. It's not subjective. It should be uh, clear cut. It, it should be ones that we don't have that many. But then we have umpires in Major League Baseball who are you got pitcher, are, got pitcher umpires, and you got yeah. hitting umpires. And then you have Angel Hernandez, who's a terrible umpire. Yeah, he kind and of has been forever. I mean, if you know an umpire's, if you're a casual fan and you know the umpire's name, that's a sign he's terrible. He's not good. No, that's for sure. He's <laughs> right. not good. Casual baseball fans know the name Angel Hernandez, and they right. know it's because he's terrible. He's always wrong. <laughs> yeah, and he and he's and he's consistent. I'll say he's that consistent about him. year in year out. If, if if there's a dispute, he's always he's like Mush from uh, the Bronx Tale, right? He always got it wrong. He is always the there. Mush. When there's an argument in baseball, he's getting it wrong. You know it a hundred percent of the it. time. That's right. And you know what? I think he enjoys it. I think so too. I think he enjoys it because he comes up, he starts smiling. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is. I don't care. You know what? Fire me. Get me out of the league. You think <laughs> right. Trust me. The league. If they could, they would. Go ahead. If they could, they would. Go ahead. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. I would say his value has changed, especially the organization. Like, he's a captain, he's a leader, he's a hard worker. I I think the world of of Saquon, and I still think he can play. So my value for Saquon really hasn't changed. Unfortunately, throughout the process, starting back in November of 2022, we weren't able to come to an agreement in terms of where we both thought a deal made sense. So we'll circle back again. He has a new agent, Ed Berry, who we have a really good relationship with with CAA, really good guy, and does a great job. So look forward to sitting down and having conversations with him. I think we've all grown, Saquon, myself, the organization, through the last 12, 13, 14 months. And Saquon may be in a different place now than he was then in terms of understanding the market and the business side of it. And I'm looking forward to having those conversations with him. That's Joe Shane, who met with the media at the uh, in Indianapolis, I believe, Gordon, inside of the uh, Combine. It's ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. And the question, Gordon, is uh, it looks like, as Adam Schefter pointed out yesterday, that they're not going to give the franchise tag to any of these uh, free agent running backs, which means they're all going to be free agents. I mean, Gordon, what, what will they do? Will, will, they, will they come to an agreement to try to get a multi-year deal with him? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think they'll try to do a one-year deal. And, and if they can't come to agreement, you know, they'll shake hands and agree to move on. I think it's a situation where Saquon has a certain number in mind that he's looking at. It's way off from, I think, what the Giants uh, think he is worth, a running back is worth. And, and just it's not just Saquon, it's all these running backs. Mm-hmm. And also keep in mind, the salary cap just went up by, what was it, $30 million? Yeah. Yep. And none of these teams are, are, are franchising these running backs. Nope. And, nope. And, and after what happened last year and, and how Saquon played this past year with the injuries again – uh, I think that maybe if no team is willing to bite, and I think it's possible that no team is willing to bite and pay him significant money, that maybe if it's all kind of relatively the same money that's being offered on a, a short-term contract, maybe he comes back to the Giants. But I don't think the Giants are bending over backwards to bring back Saquon Barkley. Do they need him? 
I mean, they can lose with them. They can lose without them. I think, to me, the Giants are much more at the start of a rebuild mm-hmm. than they are close to being a running back away. As good as, as good as Saquon is at his best, it's not made really a difference outside of one year where everything kind of went right. They played a bunch of bad teams, and they got into the playoffs, and they did win a playoff game, so that is significant. And he played really well that year. Mm-hmm. But he's a running back who's injured almost as much as he's healthy. Yeah. And it's yeah. and he's a running back. Mm-hmm. Do they, and this is going to be the question we hear more from uh, Joe Shane in a second, but do they feel, Gordon, that if they're bringing back Daniel Jones, that they kind of need him to work along with Daniel Jones and, and to, to kind of, you know, be a, a, a hedge against having some kind of, of trying to get better? Uh, offensively, I mean, you know, you got uh, the the uh, you, you got the tight end coming back. You've got you know you've got young receivers. I mean, he's really for them. He he's a major contributor to them. He is, but at, at what at what price? Uh, yeah, and especially considering again, if it turns out that I don't even know what the number would be. Let's say it's it's nine million dollars that the Giants could get him for $8 million for one year. Maybe they bring him back for another year because he, and he, and all the, 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 the offers are relatively the same. I don't think that he's going to get blown away in free agency. And I think the Giants are smart to let go, go test the market. Mm-hmm. If you think that you're worth this then somebody will be willing to pay you that. Yeah. And, and maybe that, maybe there is a team that thinks like I saw somewhere that uh, could you imagine the Ravens, with Saquon Barkley mm. and Lamar Jackson, how explosive that offense could be and take it to another level when they've had. But the Ravens, they, they churn out these running backs. These guys keep getting hurt, and they're yeah. still able. The good teams are not spending money generally on the running back position. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think that, think that that money is going to be there. Maybe because Saquon has always said that he wants to play for the Giants his entire career, and he's, he's kind of looking post- NFL career that he's willing to take maybe a little bit less with the Giants to stay. I don't know, but I just don't think that there's good. I don't think he's a priority for the Giants. Yeah. No, he's not. It's clear that he's not. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah. And what might be interesting, Gordon is depending on what they do draft wise, he might be somebody that they come back and check on. Yeah. I I can see that. You know, if we don't get the receiver, if we don't get who we want to draft or free agency, well, we can always go back and talk to Saquon because, Gordon, Saquon has proven to us that he's loyal and he really wants to be a Giant. He really wants to finish his career with the Giants. He really wants the Giants to be the only team that he's played for. And he proved that last year. And to some, you know, you admire his loyalty. And to others, you compromise your negotiation process by, by taking that stand. Absolutely. And like we're talking about the quarterback position, do you draft a quarterback maybe later in the first round or maybe in the second round? I think they have two second round picks this mm-hmm. year. I definitely think that they're going to be looking to draft a running back even later on the draft. A third-round running back that they like, that that they can bring in, is not going to be spending a whole lot of money on the position. And if Saquon's here, if he's not here, that's the future at the position. Uh, They they have a lot of work to do, man. They do. A lot of work to do on offense. They definitely do. Uh, What's the latest with Daniel Jones? 
They actually started throwing. He's been throwing for about two weeks stationary now. He's not dropping back or doing any of that stuff. So he is on track. He's doing everything he can to get back. We're optimistic about where he is. And there's some talk in the spring that he may be able to go through, whether it's seven on seven or individual throwing routes on air, that he'll be able to do some of that stuff. We probably won't expose him to team activities, but every patient responds differently to surgery. So, you know, knock on wood, we haven't had any setbacks. He hasn't had any setbacks. And if he continues on that pace, he, he should be ready for the start of training camp. I have faith in Daniels, our starting quarterback. Let's see. Tommy DeVito, people love him. <laughs> Quarterback in the draft. Looks like they're going to be taken. I'm feeling let me let me ramp up a little bit. Let me let me let me let me, you know, let me let them remember me. I'm I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm Daniel Jones. I'm still here. Still the quarterback. Still here. Still here. That's incentive going to get back. Well, I mean, he's gonna be here because of his contract. So mm-hmm. I guess you have to say that. Uh, I don't think that that prevents them from from uh using a pick on a on a um on a uh, quarterback, or quarterback, else. <laughs> yeah, someone else. Uh, I, I, I think that the plan is still being is coming into the focus for the Giants. Absolutely. Uh, but if, if if they get through the scouting process and the quarterback that they want is there, they would be crazy not to take that guy because Daniel Jones is is ready for the start of training camp. Yeah, no question. And 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 he's he's their quarterback this year anyway. But after this year, they they could bite the contract and say goodbye. And and this year is. A long year, right? Uh, yeah. it's, it's a sometimes the guy that's your guy at the beginning of the year is not your guy by midseason, and that's that could certainly sure. be the case. And that has happened in the past, where the Giants, when they brought in Eli Manning, they, mm-hmm. they had uh, Kurt Warner at the time, and before too long, that you knew it was going to eventually turn over to Eli Manning, and I think that that could certainly be the case this year as well. Now, I don't know. See, the problem could the question I would have about the Giants could Shane. And Dable survive another season where they have the sixth pick in the draft. Because Dable, if you Dable could survive no Shane, that, yes. Yeah. If you could survive that, well, then I think that the, the approach this year, you don't push in on a quarterback. You build up the other aspects of the team. Because the other aspects of the team, they still really need a number one receiver. Mm-hmm. They probably need a new running back because Saquon's not going to be back. They got to build up the offensive line. So take all your draft capital this year and do all those other things. And then if Jones comes back and is hurt again or he's, it, that one year was a flash in the pan, okay, fine. Then the following year, then you really target the quarterback. But I think you, you, you can build up the other aspects of the team. Yeah, I think Dable could survive. I think Shane could survive. I don't know about Dable. I yeah, don't know. It felt like Dable was already in trouble this year in some course. It was just crazy it coming off a playoff year. It did. But a lot of that, too, was the fact, A, they were losing, uh-huh. and B, you were starting to hear this, you know, this squabbling about him and his coaches. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, well, if he's not getting along with the coaches and he's, you know, what's going on over there? So, you know, I think that hurt him as well. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Daniel Jones hasn't been healthy, so whatever you think of him as a player, fine, but he's not available. It's a little bit like the Jimmy Garoppolo situation with Daniel Jones where you say, look, if you keep getting injured, we, like we got to make a move anyway. So there's that factor. And then you bring in the Brian Dayball factor, which is, look, the seat's going to be pretty hot. And so... The best way to kind of save your job, keep your job if you're a head coach, is to have a young quarterback that's trending in the right direction as a player. So getting your hands on a really good prospect, which I certainly think Drake May is, and if he ends up being the guy that's available at three because people think otherwise in terms of the other two prospects, 
I think it just makes complete sense and you've got to be ready to get all the way up there to make it happen. That's Tim Hasselbeck who was hanging out with Greeny on Get Up here on that, on ESPN. Gordon Damer, Larry Hardesty till the top of the hour. And, and Gordon, let's face it, uh, I, I don't know that the Giants are going to move up that high, Gordon, to try to get a quarterback there. I, I really think that they will try to see if they can get a quarterback a little lower with their spot or maybe even wait a little bit longer to try to get one. Because they, what you, as you said, there are so many needs ahead of a quarterback for this season. Yeah, they're not – Look, every team is a quarterback away, and if you don't have that position, right, you're not going to be successful. But I don't look at the Giants. While this offseason is going to be fascinating how it plays out, they can't fix everything that they have to Mm -hmm. fix in one offseason. They're still uh, a work in progress. Now, the defense looks like it's pretty good, but offensively, I mean, they need everything. Yeah, they do. Outside of left tackle. They got a left tackle. Yeah. I think that's good. But. Anything else? I mean, offensive line, I don't know about the tight end coming back and staying healthy. He doesn't seem to be able to stay healthy year in nope. and year out. Nope. I, I like some of their receivers, but I think, I think they're Hyatt missing. could be good. Yeah, he, he's a stretch-the-field kind of guy, but I think they're missing a true number one mm-hmm. type guy, which I would think is going to be on the board and in the conversation at number six. Yeah. Yeah, so they got a lot of work to do over there. A lot of work to do. They do. Buddha's from the Bronx. Buddha is next on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Buddha? Hey, what's going on, guys? How y'all doing, man? Buddha. You know, um, it's just called about two things. One, it's very simple to me, and one is a little bit more complex. But, I'm, you know, when I'm looking at or uh, listening to Saquon Barkley, you know, um, I, I get it when players, you know, feel like they've given their heart and soul to a team and all this other stuff. But, like, Gordon, like you said, like you've been injured a couple of times. The team has won nothing since you've been there. It's not only about how they should feel about this. It's also how you should feel about this. Like, what in the world would you want to stay there for if you're Saquon Barkley? I completely agree. It makes no sense. It it makes no sense. I know you're from the area and all. You don't want – their timeline of getting to the promised land conflicts totally with your timeline of still being a relevant player. you got, like, one or two years left where you could get a thousand yards rushing and sixteen or you know, total sixteen hundred total yards. You listen, you need to take some less money. You can get that money back with endorsements or, or something. I I'm not understanding where where he's coming from. And and to be honest with you, there's a certain point where you start looking pathetic, you know, mm-hmm. where you keep asking for somebody to just give you something. Move on, brother. All right, but look, now with the Knicks you know, and I have to dive myself into them because, you know, my team's going nowhere this year. Uh, you know, look. <laughs> look, uh, you know, I, and, I, and last year I spoke to you about before about Brunson. Mm-hmm. See, in a lot of ways, superstar to, to superstar in the NBA in terms of how they want it to be has not only to do with you being as a player, but also has to do with, like, your look, you know, your swag or your brand or whatever. Brunson might not have the swag or the brand or whatever, but his performance – is superstar level. Mm-hmm. You can't give me three point guards who are having a better year than him and who are uh, less important or more important to their team than he is. But look, you know, we all know Brunson's style. It's a fundamental style, but it's a hard working style. You know, aside from the minutes that he plays, like he, he takes a lot of contact. He, he plays the kind of game that's, you know, less. I, I could say free flowing, you know. That you know, it's the kind of game that where if you don't watch his minutes, he could get hurt, or it could hurt the team. And you know, Julius Randle coming back, you know, you hope everything goes well with him. I, and I don't want to 
make Judas Randle like nothing like a lot of play, people like to say he is. He's an important part to the team, but you know we all know he's the third scorer or the third best player on, on, on another team. But with the way the Knicks are designed and built as a team, I don't know if what they need is another superstar rather than they need like that effortless scorer because they're a defensive team. And um, a lot of those teams, when we think about you know, and I know times are different now, but look, when you had Ginobili on the Spurs, he, he wasn't a superstar, but he was an effortless scorer. And that's what you kind of need. And it kind of reminds me of even, forget the Pistons, the first, uh, I mean, the second Pistons, because they had a couple of effortless scorers, you know, in terms of Rip Hamilton and, and Billups. But the original Pistons, they had all these different guys that had many different roles, but they had one guy who came off the bench. And he microwave. Just, I don't care if it was 14 minutes. The microwave. Listen, Penny I'm Johnson. giving you, listen, I'm giving you 22 minutes, I mean 22 points in 12 minutes. You know, mm-hmm. we used to take that starter jacket off. You see them big brown alcoholic lips bouncing. You knew what it was going to be. You saw his face. And yep. I think that's what the Knicks need more. Just an effortless scorer. And maybe Donovan Mitchell, where you could get him now without having to trade for him in a year, maybe that's the missing piece that what they need. I didn't think it was before, but now I, I, I'm kind of starting to, to lean that way. Hmm, that's an interesting point, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call. They do, Gordon, unless they're pushing the basketball, even when Brunson is rolling, they still do a lot of work to get their offense going. Mm-hmm. That that half court is really, it's work. Uh, where they're trying to get, even when they go to Randall and he's bumping and grinding down in the paint, you know, it's work. And so, you know, that's why you love them up-tempo. That's why when you see Josh Hart pushing the basketball, you know, it's so good because they beat the defense down, you, they've got options. They can go to the basket. They can throw out to a wide-open three. It just looks like a different team. That's what they were doing a lot during that 15-2 and two stretch or 14-3 and three stretch, whatever it was in January, was pushing the tempo, pushing the pace, playing really good defense, and then everybody was on the break. And so when you get into the postseason and you do have that half-court <laughs> hand-to-hand combat or – as uh, you know, as, as Willie Colon likes to say, fighting in the phone booth, uh, it, it's a struggle for them. It's really a struggle, and so you know, maybe not Donovan Mitchell, but but a player like him, where you know, all I got to do is give it to him; he can score, and he, and it looks easy. The scoring looks easy for him. He's not dribbling. He's not doing a lot of stuff. One move, and you know, and he gets the shot. Maybe he's right. Yeah, I don't like uh, using that Pistons team, uh, the, the the Rip Hamilton team, as the example of how to build a team, the the, the non superstar kind of team, because mm-hmm. they're they're the exception to the rule. Um, uh, I, I don't know if that's that, that's the way that you want to look at things, and I, I think eventually, I, maybe it won't happen this off season because you'll still have so many questions. Yeah, if guys don't come back this year. How does how does the big trade impact this group? I don't know, uh, but mm-hmm. unless you get some guys back here, that's the only time you're going to find stuff out about this group. Yeah, and it, re- it is interesting when you get to a player like Bogdanovich because Gordon, I think at the end of the year, they he, does he have an option or something of that nature where they can move on from him if they need to? I think uh, he's got a, I think he's got an option. Yeah, I think at you the might be right. Year. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're right, especially in the situation in his case, uh, you know, because they're like, look, we need somebody scoring right now. We want to see how that works. And if it does work, you know, we'll resign it. And that's the way it should be, Gordon. You, you're taking a chance. You want to see how this person works and what you're able to do. So um, they're, they're going to have – there's going to be some incompletes, but I do think one of the things in the offseason that they're going to really investigate is they're going to have to get a little bigger. They're going to have to get a little bigger depth-wise, uh, you know, because they, they really have a lot of, like, hard, hard-nosed players. I mean, Josh Hart, 6'4", and, you know, he's leading – what was the stat that they have? He's, he's the leading player under 6'4", the yeah, rebounds. Yeah, rebounding, yeah. You know, but, but as you look, the, the guys are starting to get bigger again, Gordon. You know, we went through this phase, and the NBA where it was small, quick. It was like it was like mm-hmm. Golden State. Everybody wanted to match up with Golden State, small and quick, and move the basketball, and and it was about pace, and it's about three points, spreading the field, spreading the court. Gordon, people are getting big again. These teams are starting to get bigger. The younger teams you see starting to get big again. So I think size is going to be, you know, we're rounding back into that thing. It's it's. Size, but not lumbering size. It's mm-hmm. athletic size. Yeah, you know where you can interchange them, and I mean, and, you know, the Clippers are the perfect example. I'm mean, not the Clippers. Um, the Pelicans, Pelicans tonight, yeah. a perfect example. I mean, other than Zion Williamson, it's like everybody's six, seven, or six, eight. <laughs> right. It is. It's like it's yeah. like I thought. I thought I was watching the Tampa Bay Rays pitching staff again. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody just you know just coming in. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Larry, Garden yes. of Laughs returns to the theater at MSG on March 27th, benefiting the Garden of Dreams Foundation. The all-star comedy lineup features, among others, Bill Burr, Michael Ooh. Che, Chris Stefano, Jim Gaffigan, Heather McMahon, Tracy Morgan, Sam Morrill, and Jon Stewart, hosted wow. by Steve Sharippa. Support the Garden of Dreams Foundation and have a great time doing it. Uh, have a great time doing it. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. I hope there'll still be something funny at the Garden. Whether, <laughs> yeah, it might be. It might might be a tough crowd. It might be. Might be a it tough crowd. Be, it might be a tough crowd. I tell you, because um, you you notice the standings. All of a sudden, Miami's two games back. Yeah, and they they're having a very good West Coast trip. I mean, they they wore out. Uh, who did they play last night? I forgot. Uh, but they blew. They blew. They blew. Yeah, thank you. The Trailblazers? No, they blew, the Blazers are. Oh, that's who they're playing tonight. Tonight, right? yeah. They, right. Sacramento. They blew out the Kings. Right. Yeah. Like it wasn't even close. I mean, they wore the Kings out. So, um, you know, it's 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 you know, it's, but that's the conference, Gordon. It's, I mean, you know, you're you're three or four games from being like in last place. So. Um, you know, there's room at the top, and everybody else is bunched up. So it is going to be interesting to see how the Knicks respond on Thursday. And, of course, unfortunately for Net fans, I mean, you know, it was a Orlando team. Orlando's good, Gordon. Uh, they got a big – once again, another big team. Big, big team, yeah. Another big team. And I know Paulo Banchero didn't play tonight, but, I mean, they just wore the Nets out. and you well, know, The Nets I, are I, already I, worn out. Yeah, already. And, of course, they didn't have Ben Simmons available because he doesn't do back-to-backs, you know. <laughs> no, or belly to bellies. He doesn't do either of those. <laughs> no, he does not. He does not. And uh, you know, so that was uh, you know a tough one. So we'll see what the Nets are going to do. I mean, listen, it's a this is you talk about the evaluation process. This that's is all a, they can do. That's all they can do right now. They just play it out, you know. Play and, the and if you're game. a player, Gordon, here's what you know. You know, Kevin Ollie's not going to be back there next year. You know, he's not going to be your head coach. 
you know, what do you, you know, you, what are you trying to do? Trying to play well so you can get off the team? I mean, that's what you got to live up to right now. It's, it's, a, it's, it's personal. It's right. all about, for the, for the Knicks, the it feels like the season is is quickly dwindling. The games are dwindling. For the Nets, yeah. it feels like there's still a long haul to go. Yeah, like, isn't the season over yet? No, not yet. We still got more games to play? Still more games. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Well, Gordon, tomorrow night, we will follow the New York Rangers. So you be good on the radio tomorrow. I'll be checking out the, the uh, sports desk. Sure. Good morning. I and, appreciate uh, I'll see you You're tomorrow night. All right, good. No, good there's know. more than me. I can tell you that because people are <laughs> asking me about you. So I know it's more than me. That wraps up this edition of ESPN New York tonight. We thank you for joining us. Harvey Joe, thank you very much. The conversation continues right here on 98.7 ESPN.